Hello and welcome to the Sugar Shots podcast featuring myself, Jeremiah Brown, aka Sugar J Poet, aka Don Demerara. Read and subscribe to Sugar Shots at sugarshots.substack.com or follow us on Instagram at Sugar Shots Podcast. Enjoy the episode. When we got the 8 2 by you. It was a Sunday, so I was in church. 2011, and by that age, I myself had known that church wasn't for me. Okay. But I was at the age where I have to go to church. Mm-hmm. Where like, it doesn't matter what you think, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up and go to church. And I was there in church, staring at my phone the whole time. Sugar shots are a little Sutton Sutton from me in your week to make you think and feel, using a word and its definition as a jump-off point. It started as a newsletter and now we have a podcast too. The formula's the same but a little different. Every episode I take an existing shot and break its themes open with a special guest. This episode, our special guest is poet Boyega Odubanjo. The shot we break open is myth, where I talk about my discovery over lockdown that I can't live without professional sports and delve into my mythological relationship with football. Hello. Hello, mate. How are we doing? I'm decent. (laughs) (laughs) The following sugar shot was first published on February 3rd, 2021. Myth. Noun. A traditional story, especially one concerning the early history of a people or explaining a natural or social phenomenon, and typically involving supernatural beings or events. I've never listened to Desert Island Disc, but I know what it is. A radio show where people talk about what they take to a desert island. Upon research, I've discovered that guests choose eight tracks, a book and a luxury. I don't know what my answers would be, but lockdown has had me thinking about what I can't live without. We're in our third one now and I miss so much. I miss hugs, I miss the theatre, I miss going to the cinema, I miss going shisha. I don't even like shisha but my boys do and I miss my boys. I miss open mics, I miss bantering with an audience, I miss coming home late, I miss hugs, I miss bear. Because of all this missing, I'm learning what I need to get by. At the time of writing, I have 95 unread convos in WhatsApp. I'm not the best at being social. Even with that caveat, I've learned that I can't live without my friends. I need to talk to people. I need the unprovoked phone calls, the voice notes so long they end in an apology, the messages that take a while to reply to because you want to be honest. I need the check-ins, I need the banter, I need the love. Amidst this reminder of my relational needs swells an epiphanic revelation. I can't live without professional sports. It sounds childish, but lockdown has taught me I need football. What did you miss during lockdown when the first one like struck? Like, what was it where you were like, "Whoa, I missed this"? So I think before I even started missing anything, I knew I had an idea of what I would miss. I okay. remember on the day of the day that Boris announced that pubs were closing. <laughs> it was a Friday. I was working in a in a secondary school in Kidbrook. Okay. And I was panicking. 
<laughs> I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, went to the pub near the school, sat there for a bit, couple pints, and then because now it was clear that cool, this thing that we're in mm. is gonna last a while, mm-hmm. and it is serious. Obviously, the jumping off point for that thought is pubs. I knew I'd miss my friends. I'm someone who I go out a lot. I like gallivanting. <laughs> so the idea of being inside for however long, it scared me at first. Okay. So, yeah, that was the initial and that was the big thing in my brain immediately. Mm. And then... I guess as someone who is who is a champion gallivanter, mm. then being locked inside your house, um, like what were the things that you learned about yourself during lockdown, and like how how were they now, like that understanding of yourself? How mm. is that affecting you at present? I think that growing up and throughout my life, I known how to be by myself but I'd known how to do that as a choice rather than as an obligation cool. and so something that I learnt how to do was just firm it mm. I like maybe that's not even the right like terms to say it in but I learnt that even if I don't go out even if I'm not able to see all the people that I'd like to see I can I can survive it it's not actually the end of the world yeah and there are things that I can do in that time which have value Mm. I can read more than I would ever be reading if I was you always say to yourself that oh yeah this time that I'm on the train, I'm going to use it to read. I'm not reading. Yeah. I'm listening to tunes yeah. which make reading impossible. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm scrolling on my phone, innit? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was literally, like, on my way here to, to come and record. Um, I was, I was like, yo, I'm going to read. Mm. I'm Because I'm, I'm, I'm reading The Beekeeper of Aleppo at the moment. And mm. I was like, yo, like, I'm going to read this as I'm on the train. Mm. Bro, I was listening to Janae Aiko say that. Like, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I'm, I'm feeling stressed this morning. Mm. I just need Janae. I was like, come back to me. Mm. Come back to me. Let me calm myself. So one of the big reasons that I've mm. got you on is because... I know, man. Man does football, innit? Mm, mm. Man does football. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't necessarily align on all elements mm. of of football. As as you you support Arsenal, innit? And I support Man United. So, so there's there's some conflict there, innit? Mm. But there's there's an understanding, and especially I think as poets as well, and as people who met in the poetry scene, it's not always. Is poetry the poetry world is a different one for me whereas any other space as soon as you meet another man you bring up that's football, one of the first questions yeah to bring that commonality in the poetry in, scene, i'm not asking you unless i know unless i'm not asking you off the bat yeah i need to have figured out through some way or another that you like football yes before i ask you yes. about football yes because certain people they're gonna be like uh. Yeah, <laughs> like, like yeah, it's 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 so different. It's so different. Where it's like, 
I think it's a safe thing if if you're in work environments, mm-hmm. but it's like one of those things where it's like, right, even if I know that man is a waste man, yeah. let's just have a football conversation. Mm. It will kill 20 minutes yeah. and I don't have to talk to him. You don't have that fallback in poetry. Um, but what was one of your favourite moments of lockdown ball? Arsenal winning the FA Cup. So like I say, it was lockdown because at the time that we won the yeah, FA Cup, did, there weren't any fans in the stadium. Okay. But... Pubs were open. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was there for my team. I was there for my guys. And so like you talking about the way that we don't necessarily align in terms of football, because of where Arsenal are currently and where Man U are currently, we align more than we would have yes. 10 years ago. Yes. If you supported Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City... I'm not sure I'll be comfortable coming here to talk to you about, about football and emotions like that. Because like, you're coming from a perspective of a winner. Like, but we can join in communion as losers and like, it's fine. Like, hey, both said we're both suffering. He was like, we're both suffering right now, so it's safe. Yeah. It's safe. At the beginning of her poem, Return, Maxine Skates references a mythology book she was given by her mother as a kid. Later on in the poem, while she waits with her mother for the doctor to return, she thanks her mother for the book. She reveals to the reader that she likes the Greeks because they never die, but live unknown among us. The revelation is profound as they are waiting for the doctor to return to talk about hospice. Return is a beautiful poem that makes me think about what you receive from your parents as a child. It makes me think about our relationships to those things. A book on Greek mythology received as a kid frames future thoughts about death. What we receive from our parents can have a profound impact, whether that be by their presence, absence, gifting or lack of gifting. What's the best gift you received as a child? <clears throat> is this a gift of the physical nature or of the figurative? Uh, you choose. So cool. Of figurative, mm-hmm. and it's one which, as a child, I was unknowingly grateful for it. Mm. Whereas today, I would have a more complicated relationship with it because mm. I'm the youngest of three siblings. Yeah. I was given the gift of ignorance mm. to a large extent. Mm. Um, and I think that meant that as a child, I just didn't have a care in the world. Yeah. Um, I wasn't obviously involved in family matters in the way that my older sister and my older brother, who is the eldest were involved in family matters. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's something which today I wish that I knew more about Mm. what was going on in the world and in my family Mm. when I was younger. But, yeah, that's... So, yeah, maybe it's not the best gift. Yeah. But it is a gift which had a lot of value and which... 
if you've got a relationship with a young child, it's a gift that you probably want to give them as well mm-hmm. up until a certain time. Yeah. Yeah. I think as, so I'm the oldest, um, the oldest of my brothers. Mm. And yes, yeah, interesting to see, like there's certain things where I'm like, you just, you don't, you don't get it, do you? Mm. You don't have an understanding of what this cost or an understanding of what this takes to provide. Mm. Um, and there's a there's a frustration that comes with that as like the older sibling or as the older one. And mm. I'm much older than my brothers. Mm-hmm. So there's like a 12 year gap between me and my next brother. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a big one. Um, but I don't think I've ever viewed it as a privilege for mm. the younger, the younger one to not have to care about those things. And mm. I think it is when you, when I was even just being the older sibling, but being younger, um, it is a privilege to not have to worry mm. about those things and, and to be able to be a child. And I think sometimes that's the saddest thing um, that gets taken from people is just the ability to be a child, mm. um, whether that's having to, to take responsibilities or when you're made an adult prematurely. Mm. Um, so, so just being afforded the privilege of being a child who doesn't have to take on those things is actually... It's actually a gift and I've never I never sort of had that perspective or thinking of it that way, but it's it's true. Yeah, and as I say and as you've alluded to, it's a gift that the child doesn't realise that they have. Yes. And when it stops becoming a gift is when as a child you kind of see the real world for the first time mm. and you're like, rah. Everyone has been lying to me. (laughs) Like, literally everyone (laughs) that I know and love and trust and depend on has been lying to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I guess at first you're like, right, is this how you're going to move in? (laughs) But then you... You grow up and you realise you weren't lying to me. You were in your way protecting me. Yes. And there's the ifs and buts about that in it mm. yeah okay two questions do you mm. think you look like your parents and do you think you are like your parents in in any ways and if so which ways i look like my dad okay i'm going to show you a picture of my dad when he was in his 20s yeah i am certain of the fact that there are behavioral things that i share very closely with my dad mm the way we like to keep our own space, the way we like things to be clear cut. Mm. And so that can lead to a certain lack of emotional intelligence at times because it's like, ah, oh, I want it to be done this way. And if it's not done this way, then I'm spun. Yeah. And I don't know where to go from here. I'm like my mum in that we're both my mum's very short. I'm short. <laughs> my mum's very... My mum's like four foot 11. Swear down. Yeah. Okay. And I think that the way that we've both grown into the world with our shortness has affected our character. And I don't know, my mum's the best person in the world. So whatever I can say of hers that I'm a part of, I'll claim in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where's my dad? There he is. 
you know what's killing me? Yeah, sorry. It's in this photo. <laughs> Bo's dad is um sitting down on the ledge of somewhere and there's water in the background, but he's looking at the camera and he's giving the camera a look to say, like, why are you taking this picture of me for? <laughs> and it's an expression I've seen on Bo's mm. face before, as if to say, like, why are you doing this? Mm. And it, yeah, I see it. I see it. Yeah. What about you? Do you look like any of your parents? Um, yes. So I look, it's quite funny because I think I look like my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, like I put on a pair of my dad's glasses one time. I was just wearing his glasses mm. and I was, I was disgusted. I was disgusted. <laughs> I was like, I should not look like a 50 year old man immediately just by putting on a pair of glasses. Mm. It was wrong. Um, and then it's quite funny because people who just know me via my mum mm. will swear that I look exactly like my mum. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think my youngest brother really looks like my mum. Mm. And I think I look, me and my second and the next brother under me look more like my dad. Is it three of you? Three of us, yeah. <laughs> but the brother under me, he probably looks like mm. me as well. But yeah, my dad's d- d- yeah, my dad's genes are strong. There's mm. no there's no denying that we are his offspring. Mm. Like it's yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. very it's very strong. Um and then I think, I think it's quite interesting because I, I similarly I think like you were saying in terms of having the behaviors mm. of my dad, um, I think I can be, I can be quite similar in that sense. But I think for me, it, it those, those can be the things that I'm most frustrated with, mm-hmm. um, and so, um, it's it's quite interesting I think to see that and to be like what annoys me most about my dad sometimes are the things that I know are the things that I have of my dad in myself. Um, but I would say, I would say characterize. Um, I'm quite, I'm quite like chilled and quite laid mm. back. Um, and I would say my dad is similar. Um, but I think he's a bit more, I think my dad is quite like, matter of fact in Mm. the sense of like this is this is how things work and this is how it is um and so i think he's his chill from a degree comes from that Mm -hmm. um being at peace with this is how things go um the best way i would i could explain it is like an ios update so (laughs) yeah yeah whilst me and my dad both share that thing of liking things our own way for my dad I would say it is he will then extend that out into his world and into his space mm-hmm. whereby it's like people need to do things my way yeah whereas for me it's like I'm gonna do things my way people do things their way and don't don't bother me yeah, I like the iOS analogy. It reminds <laughs> me of a line from one of Hibak's poem. I think she talks about like people mm-hmm. um, and like being like samples of mm. like yeah. of the older generation or like being samples of our mm. parents or whatever or like something. I don't want to butcher the line, but the idea that we are samples yeah. of what and like the iOS update thing um, really works in that regard. I do yeah. think it's interesting the poem that you've got though because reading it the first time when this newsletter went out last year and then rereading it over the last week yeah for the speaker that 
knowledge of Greek mythology is a gift. But it seems as if for the speaker's mother, like, the speaker's mother's a bit surprised. Mm. Like, why do you like this so much? And, mm. like, so even though the speaker's mother is probably the one who introduced the speaker, she's like, why Why do you care about this? Yeah. And I think that... um Dynamic is interesting whereby you're passing something on without realising it. Yeah. And I guess on that note, like, um, are there any of those sort of things where you think, Mm. like, it means quite a lot to you Mm. and you've received it from your parents in that regard, but you don't think they would even really, like, they would, they would don't even, you don't think they would even see it as a big deal? So the first thing that comes to my mind is music. And it's not that... So especially my dad, because my mum doesn't have too great an interest in music outside of church. Cool. So it's like... Not that it's not a big deal, but that just my dad wasn't aware of the fact that he was passing it on when he was passing it on. Mm -hmm. So like old school Nigerian music, where I'll be listening to it in my room like when I lived at home while I'm working and then he's like, oh, you're listening to King Sonny Ade? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, how did you hear this? I was like, through you. When you were playing this tune <laughs> yeah. every day, like what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Where did you hear yeah. this? <laughs> so like, yeah, those type of things are, that's the type, that's the type of thing that, I, that's most clear in yeah. terms of answering your question. When I think of mythology, I think of the way my dad recounts footballing history. The manner in which he talks about the Liverpool teams of the 70s and 80s. The success of Bob Paisley's Liverpool that only feels real because there's evidence on Wikipedia. The pain of having to watch your rivals become deified. I think about the way his whole body comes alive when telling stories about Ronaldo. Brazilian Ronaldo, R9, El Phenomenon, how a man can become a legend, causing us to adopt a different nationality every four years in anticipation of indescribable awe. This is what I understand as mythology. These were my first lessons in storytelling. Stories told so well that I can't tell the difference between what I've seen and what I've heard. R9 is one of my favourite footballers ever. Is this because of what I saw of him or because the myth settled into my spirit? I don't know. It starts with those that tell you the stories. Then you start experiencing them for yourself. How can I describe my recollections of Paul Scholes as anything but magic? This little man who'd shoot with such power, with hair as fiery as his temperament on the pitch. He seemed to strike the football so hard that as a child I believed one day he would shoot and the ball would burst. Maybe there'd be fire inside. Maybe the net would burn. Mythology is complete when you partake in its continuation. I will tell stories of magical creatures. I have seen Wayne Rooney contort his body in the air, suspend himself upside down like an owl to score, then storm off in celebration to stand spread-eagled with 75,000 people screaming in delirium. I have seen magical creatures. I have watched 
Lionel Messi. I have suffered at the hand of his magic. I have wanted to cry after experiencing his curse. I'm aware that I'm probably doing too much right now. But in a time where people's lives are literally on the line by going outside, what other explanation is there for the continuation of Premier League football? Who are your five favourite players of all time? Okay, so real quick, mm-hmm. Lionel Messi, he's hurt us as well, bro. Bro. He's, he's banged in four goals against us. I won the goals. He chipped over Manuel Munoz uh, and one, then he passed oh. it into the empty net. Brother. Bro, that, you see that goal there, yeah? That goal is one of my favourite goals because mm. it is so... There are certain goals where man do it. I'm like, you didn't have to do it like yeah. that. And the only reason that you did it in that way was pure disrespect. I think that when you have that amount of talent, it becomes simple. Yes. So whilst you and I in that situation are thinking, cool, let's try finish this. Let's try shoot past the goalkeeper, find the far corner. Messi's thinking... How about if I just chip it over the goalkeeper and now it's an open goal? And it's like, because he's a sick you. Yeah. <laughs> like, sick. And it's 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 flagrant. Mm. It's flagrant in the sense of no, can you can you please at least pretend that we're all playing yeah, the same yeah. sport? And that's where it's disrespectful because mm. it's you know damn well that ain't nobody else mm. can do this. Mm. You know damn well. You know damn well. So five, yeah? Yeah. Um, so an interesting thing about reading your newsletter mm-hmm. is, and I've been aware of this, but like your newsletter, like highlighted it further. I came to football late. I only started liking football when I was like 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. And before that, I didn't care about football. Cool. So I've never seen Ronaldo yeah. play in his peak. Yes. So the first... The first player who got me into football, the first two players who like made me passionate about football is the other Don, Portuguese. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and Fernando Torres and ooh, Kaka. Ooh. Because so that tells you about when I started loving yeah, football. Yeah. I started loving football in two thousand and seven. Yeah. If we're not talking about the people who like first brought me in and talking about the people who like I just love always. Yeah. Um Cesc Fabregas. Cool. Magician. Magician. Theo Walcott. Because I wanted to be him. <laughs> because I wanted to be him. Because I was looking at him, I was like, oh, you know, I used to run 100 metres and that. I can, I can be you. <laughs> like, number 32 on the back. Like, I was like, yo, that's me in the future. Um, I always, like, my favourite player of all time is Francesco Totti. Cool. Because whilst I don't think it's something that I could do in any walk of life, mm. I always respected, like, you at certain times in your career were one of the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. You wanted to stay at Roma. Yeah. You had the offer from Real Madrid. You had the offer from Man United. You had the offer from all of them. Yeah. You've won three major trophies at your club in your career. Yeah. You could have won 30 with someone else. 
And so he's there. And then the other people that would be there are people that I never watched live. Okay, that's fine. So like people that like rather I never watched in their peak. Mm-hmm. So it would be Thierry Henry and Ian Wright. Yeah. So you, obviously you got four Arsenal men there and Francesco Totti. Yeah. Um, those are the people who I admired at an age where they were supernatural. Yes. All of the players that I was seeing now, I still love them, but the way that I think about Emil Smith Rowe and Bukayo Saka will never be the way that I thought about Fabregas, Walcott, Jack Wilshire. Yeah. 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 Um, I think for me, Paul Scholes is the one. Mm. And I think that's, it's very childish, but it's like, I like, I started watching Paul Scholes when Paul Scholes was a striker. And that's mm-hmm. how I know I was mm-hmm. young yeah, because yeah, I didn't yeah. really know anything about football. Mm. But I just remember that was the guy that was licking the ball yeah. hard. Yeah. Like he was just <laughs> kicking it hard. <laughs> like he just kicked it hard, yeah, bruv. Yeah. Like it was, it was just, it was that. Yeah. Um, and then as I grew older and then started to watch football, I just loved the way that man was just a maestro yeah. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. the midfield. So Scholes is definitely one. Yeah. And then Rooney is, mm-hmm. I think Rooney is is one of my is one of those players where I'm just like to see Rooney live, mm. like at the Emirates actually. Okay. And that was for me. That was there's there's players that when you get to see them live, you you appreciate that they're built different. Mm. Like you can just see, um, yeah. I think I'm gonna. Who, do you know what? A lot of the other players that I really like admire are players that I admire. From hatred, so like hate is one of those pure emotions that Didier Drogba, Didier Drogba, Big man Didier Drogba, Didier Drogba, yo, I, I, (laughs) that Chelsea team, yeah, Drogba and Lampard, okay, and Soccer Saturday, you'd be watching, and these were the times where it was like Jose Mourinho and like Man United were competing with Chelsea. Soccer Saturday, you were seeing this nil nil. You think maybe, maybe Chelsea drew this week. Maybe Chelsea are gonna lose. Chelsea are one nil down. Boom. Drogba has scored. Boom. 85th minute. Lampard scored. Every week you mm. knew them man were going to get the goals. They were they were inevitable. Mm. You mentioned him. Torres as well. Because yeah. I used... I, I remember Bro, that, watching there Torres. There was that game against you lot where Vidic got Vidic. sent off. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Was, yeah. it was peak. It was peak. <laughs> it was peak. You know, that's that's defined Vidic's whole... Yeah, exactly. whole. Vidic actually so played well against Torres, Vidic you know, but that one game... was a class defender, but Bro, that one game... Violated, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you put Torres, him on a poster. Put him on a t-shirt. It literally. You put him on a t-shirt. Literally. <laughs> literally. I'm, there's definitely t-shirts out there. Um, and Henri as mm. well. I think for me, the Henri one was when he flicked it up against Man United mm. yeah, and yeah. volleyed it. Any man that is doing that, yeah, is... Because <sighs> the first, as I say, I got football late. So the first football shirt I ever owned was Thierry Henry's first shirt at Barcelona. Okay. So like, yeah, like, I was too late. I remember like the first game that I probably paid attention to, and I wasn't paying attention, was 2006 Champions League final, Arsenal-Barcelona. Arsenal lost and I was laughing at them because, uh, I, because I didn't support. Yeah, I didn't support yeah, yeah, yeah. a team. <laughs> now you're like, yeah. now you're like I now want I, that back. If we won that game, my life would be different, so bro. So different. My life would be different, bro. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, interesting thing that like, cause when I actually played football on a like regular basis, 
competitively. Yeah. As I got older, I realised, cool, I'm not going to be field walker, I'm a defender. <laughs> and when I became a defender, then I started liking defenders more. Mm-hmm. So, through hatred, Ashley Cole. But he, Ashley Cole, I think, is one of the most dis- like disrespected and underrated. He's one of the best defenders yeah. of all time, bro. I, 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 I say disrespected in mm. the sense of, like, Ashley Cole, for me, is hands down the best left back mm. to have played football. Yeah. And I people love to say Roberto Carlos. Mm. But when you talk about the ability to lock man down... Ashley Cole had every man in his pocket. And go forward. Bro, there's, there's, there's like, no one... I, I can't think of anyone that darked up Ashley mm. Cole. Like there's there's no like I, there's gate like Ronaldo whoever it was mm. like whoever it was against Ashley Cole was not it was, and he could go forward he was going forward and he was and it's whether he was from Arsenal to Chelsea yeah, yeah. elite um but that's a beautiful guy, shout my guy was Sergio Ramos but in reality I played like Gary Neville. <laughs> I was grabbing people's balls. I was stepping on their toes. Yo, I'll pull your hair back like this. Yo. <laughs> but my guy was Sergio Ramos. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know what I, I respect about Sergio Ramos was just, I've never seen a defender so capable of getting sent off and mm. still being so pivotal yeah, yeah. to a team every season. Mm. It's exceptional. Yeah. And he was also, he got goals. Yeah. Like, he yeah. scored. He scored. Back and it wasn't goals. just like, it wasn't like, oh, we're 3-0 up and mm. like, I'm going to score no, now. Like, score he scored, he one. scored important yeah. goals from mm. centre-back. That's, that's big, big cojones, bruv. What's your happiest footballing memory? I think it says a lot about my journey as a football fan that my happiest football memory eventually ended with defeat. It was... Champions League last 16. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're a dickhead. You're a dickhead. Certain man are winning big trophies. I'm talking about last 16, innit? <laughs> like, um, no, was no, it last 16? I think it was quarterfinals. Okay. Um, it would have been... It would have been 2010, 2011 when we beat Barcelona 2-1 at the Emirates. Okay. And so Barca go 1-0 up and then Robin Van Persie scores some weird goal where, like, it's the tightest angle and he just smashes it. It goes through Victor... It, like, it beats Victor Valdez at the near post and, like, we're all believing. And then the winning goal is scored by Andre Arshavin. And it's hey, like... Arshavin, yeah, was... Yo, yo When killer. he scored four against yo. Liverpool, yeah? And he did the four <laughs> celebration. Yeah. I, there's certain men that are called Arshavin now, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I, yo, yeah. yeah. Certain youths. Yo, there's certain Certain youths. black youths called Arshavin, bro. <laughs> hey, that man. Yo, Arshavin. Arshavin had his time. Yeah. So, that and then in the second leg, um, I'm not sure if you remember, that's the game where... Van Persie got sent off because... Wasn't it for, like, descent or something stupid so as well? So, the ref blows the whistle for offside. Van Persie takes a shot a second later. That was the it. The ref sends him off for kicking the ball that away. That was it. And I remember that game. Arsenal didn't have a shot on target. Um, Barca beat us 3-1. The one goal that we had was a Busquets own goal. And, like, we got dominated the whole game. Yeah. But it was that one moment which was, like, uh Yeah. Um, so that is historically my personal favourite moment. Mm-hmm. But then last summer was 
right up there, mm. like number two. Um, watching England get to the finals and watching so many of those games with friends that I've known since secondary school. Yeah. I'd, like that was beautiful. And me, I am not a patriot. <laughs> I, I, I can accept that I'm British or English or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But you'll never see me waving a flag yeah. or sh- shouting England yeah. other than a time like that. Yeah. Because especially it coming immediately after bare lockdowns, mm-hmm. it was, everyone was together, you know? Yeah. Like, it was, be- it was beautiful, man. Listen, <laughs> like, yeah. England, I remember the the first time was the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Like, the World Cup. When, Which one? Um, when we got knocked out by Croatia. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that yeah. moment, like, when England are good and playing football, yeah. it's, it's beautiful, the country bro. Is, it's you so know, you see beautiful. those memes where it's, like, just rainbows everywhere bro. and, like, cars flying and shit. Like, bro. yo. Bro, like... <laughs> Bro, it's beautiful. Mm. Like, it's beautiful. Like, you walk down the street and it's like, you want to see a geezer yeah, because you yeah. know they're just going to yeah. give you mad love yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's it's that time of year. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I remember being at my friend's house, though, when we watched the final and we were like, we all looked around and we were like, right, it was all the black kids that missed. And we were like, yeah, we need to go home. Yeah. <laughs> we, were like, <laughs> we were like, let's leave. Let's Brother, go home. That, so, yeah. I've got bad memories of black English players taking penalties because of Euro 2012, where it was, was it 2012? Against Italy, when Perlo scored the Penenka, where it was Ashley Young and Ashley Cole who missed. Okay. So, who was the first on who stepped up? I think the first on was probably Rashford. And then it was Sancho. And, and then, then it was, it was Saka, Saka. Yeah. And like, when I saw Saka step up, as an Arsenal fan, I said to my boys, Saka's never taken a penalty in his professional yeah. career. Why is he yeah. here? As they soon as he missed, up. I deleted Twitter. I said, I don't, I'm not reading anything about football for the next week. You smart. When everything stopped, When it seemed like Netflix wouldn't be able to fill this chasm of emptiness, the Premier League's Project Restart stepped into the breach. I was submerged back into that world of myth and magic. I began partaking again in that ritual by which legends are made. I felt, even if just for 90 minutes at a time, like everything wasn't so bad. Is this the legacy of what my dad has given me? I don't follow Harry Pinero, but he tweeted something that resonated with me. Jokes aside, Manchester United winning games has improved my mental health. It scared me somewhat because when I read it, I thought, same. There was an impulse to judge myself. How can I, a whole adult, be so affected by a football team? I can't come and die because of Manchester United. This is sad. Then I started to think of what football meant to me. I'm a United fan because my dad is a United fan. He's a United fan because his eldest brother was a United fan. My uncle is no longer alive and so United is, in some ways, a lineage. 
The football stories my dad tells were some of my earliest lessons in the art of oratory. Now oration is how I make my living. My geographical knowledge owes nothing to my school education and everything to football. Much of my friendships thrive on conversations about football. This game is so much more than merely a game. It is myth and magic and relationship and lineage. For me, like many others, football is a thing I have been given by my dad. When the pandemic started and it was gone, football was what I was on my knees for. One woman receives a book on Greek mythology and it calls to her as her mother is about to die. One man receives another type of mythology and it calls to him as the world writhes in pain. I don't know what magic you received. I only hope that it calls to you when you need it. What is your football lineage? My dad supports Liverpool because... He was born in the mid sixties, mm-hmm. and watching football in the seventies and eighties, Liverpool were the best team. They were the, they were in, the guys in England, possibly in, in the, the world, world really. for certain amounts of time. My brother supports Arsenal because we were born in Hackney. Mm. At that time, where I was trying to figure out what team I supported, I think the fact that. Arsenal was in London mm. is what swayed me. Yeah. But then neither my dad nor my brother are football fanatics. My dad loves tennis. And Interesting. my brother, like, he's just <laughs> like, he used to play football and he used to be interested in football, but it was more of a social thing for him mm. as opposed to a individual obsession. Yeah. So... When I got to like 11, 12, and I realised that, yeah, cool, I like football now, I just became a proper nerd about it. And I was just like on the internet all the time, looking up stats, looking at videos, looking at compilations, all of that. So as I've gotten older, it has been a blessing to me to see and to realise how Arsenal are kind of considered a black team. Mm. And uh, obviously that comes from David Rowcastle, Michael Thomas, Ian Wright, Patrick Vieira, Thierry Henry, etc., etc. And that has been a vindication for me to choose to support this London team because Mm -hmm. for many other people the team that they support isn't a choice Mm -hmm. for me it was a it was a like a clear choice and whilst yeah we're going and have been going for a long time (laughs) through a period of pain yeah the culture of Arsenal is something which I'm always proud to be a part of how does football impact your mental health after a big disappointing loss for Arsenal, I will delete Twitter. Cool. Because I'm not yet at a stage in my relationship with football where it is all the way healthy. Mm-hmm. I think what has helped me has been 
the realization, like the constant realization, because you think you need to remind yourself that you can't control it. Yeah. And in every other aspect of my life where I can't control something, then it won't affect me as much. Mm. But in football, even though I know that I can't control it, it will still be like just a weight. And so the way that I deal with that is for certain periods of time, I just need to completely ignore it. Mm. If Arsenal lose, I'm not going to read any of the match reports. I'm not going to listen to any of the podcasts. I'm not going to watch match of the day. If Arsenal win, I'm going to watch everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to absorb all of the content. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't have a positive answer right now. Mm-hmm. Football affects my mental health in a negative way. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and and I think for me, it's, it was like, yeah, that Harry Panero tweet, like mm-hmm. it spun me when he yeah. was talking about like, yo, like Man United playing well mm-hmm. has like had a positive mm-hmm. impact on my mental yeah. health. And I think... Like, and sometimes you just have to humble yourself and accept that mm. this thing, this game mm. means that much mm. and supporting this team um, means that much. Yeah. And I think for like you talking about like deleting Twitter after mm. a game, I think for me, I've realised like I just step back from Twitter yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think sometimes as well, it's like these discussions aren't going anywhere. Mm. Um, it's just it's it's just sort of circling things. Mm. And there are things that I am frustrated about and mm. things that I don't like and things that I watch and I, I, I'm fuming, mm. but also like I don't need to sit in this yeah. malaise yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah, continue yeah. it. And I think I've also made a conscious effort um, to be able to disengage mm. from Man United to mm. a degree. And I think that um, we kind of started this conversation talking about, which I think we were talking about it as kind of a negative, is the fact that so many people in that we meet within poetry circles don't care about football. Mm-hmm. And it's a thing that I'm often grateful for because mm. there's very few of my close friends care about football yeah so there are times where even if i'm chilling with them and i'm looking at my phone and arsenal have lost and i'm upset they're gonna be laughing at me and yeah. they're gonna be like what is football it's football and that that helps yeah like that realization that like this isn't real life it's, yeah. it's not my life like yeah so i'm here chilling with my friends having a good time and i'm upset about 11 men in North London. Yeah. Like, why am I upset? <laughs> like, when, you, when you start to... You're like, this don't make sense. Yeah. This don't, this don't make sense. Mm. Okay, so thinking of, like, football and Arsenal, um, is that a lineage that you want to continue? So do you... Obviously, with you, like, something you took from your brother, mm. um, whether it's Utes or, like, other family mm. or whatever happens in the future or whoever you pass it on to but is that a lineage you want to continue it is one that i want to continue but as you say it's the question is about with whom Mm. because so my brother's got two kids Mm -hmm. their mum is a man you supporter 
And real woman. Yeah, stop watching. Uh, sorry, sorry. You don't need to say anything. You don't need to say anything. Their mum's in my news reporter, and she was a bit sneaky. So like, when they were like for their first birthday, she got them both my new shirts. Hey, <laughs> like, real G. Yeah, like, real G. So and like, I don't think they care about football. Yeah. My sisters just had twins, and. Again, my sister's husband is a Man U fan, so he might take <laughs> precedent on, on, on that one or whatever the word is. Um, so it's like, for me, it is a different question, which, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think this conversation is about. Um, <laughs> the love of football... I think it's more important than the love of Arsenal Mm. because you can support Arsenal and not really care about football. Mm. If I can sit down with my brother's children or my sister's children and we can all enjoy a game of football, that's better than me fully caring about Arsenal and them not caring at all. Yeah. Yeah, despite the fact that they're an Arsenal fan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um... Everyone beneath you in the lineage. I think certified United. I think yeah. I think if I, when look, my offspring better mm. support Man United. Yeah. And that's, that's if what, I have offspring, yeah, they're supporting. Like yeah. it's there's you, no there's yeah. that, it's not a question. <laughs> it's not a question. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You, you have to. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that idea. So my brothers support Man United, mm. um, and I think that continuation of. But that conversation of being able to sit down yeah. and enjoy a game yeah. and talk about a game. And I think it is quite interesting because um, the relationship to social media, like mm. with the younger generation, because I know I'm on my phone a lot, yeah. but also there's like TikTok and like mm. different sort of things mm. and just how they take in the sport, um, I think is is different. But being yeah. able to sit down for a full 90 minutes mm. and watch a game and then talk about it yeah. and really appreciate it, yeah. um, yeah, that's something that I want. I want. Mm. I want to yeah, have. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. As an artist, there's a lot of times where I'm just out and I miss games and mm. I, I I don't yeah, see yeah. certain things. But the opportunity to to have that as something, mm. I really I really do value mm. the fact that I like football, mm. that I support a team. Um, also basketball now mm-hmm. as well. Like I really value that there's there's sports that I'm mm. really into. That's when, like, yeah. so basketball, I appreciate and I rate and I enjoy as a sport. I support Boston Celtics because the cool. green white thing is the Nigeria thing. And also, like, I like, for some reason, I like Larry Bird. I've okay. never seen Larry Bird play, obviously. But, you like, but, like, for some reason, I like Larry Bird. I can see. Do you know what it is? Mm. I think Larry Bird is. When he was playing basketball, mm. he came to play basketball and it was like all this other smiley, smiley thing. I, mm. I'm coming to play basketball. I'm the white boy. And I'm also, I'm I'm, I'm going to talk smack to you. Mm. But I don't um, like Eminem. Yeah. And no, I but, but Larry Bird was like, Larry Bird wasn't, he was like, he was the white boy, very much, very, very white. 
yeah. in the black area. Okay, it wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't he was, like. Okay, yeah. There wasn't he a simulation. Yeah, yeah, no. He, he was. Yeah. He was the odd. He was just odd than himself, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and he did his thing. Mm. And I think there's something very much about you just being mm. odd and yourself mm. and doing mm. your thing and doing it well. Mm. That is probably what. Because I've seen you like. obviously. Celtics are in the finals now. Yes. I like Jason Tatum. And, like, the main thing that made me like Celtics is because of the kit. Yeah. I, I really liked the kit. Later, I was like, oh, yeah, green, white. That's the same as Nigeria. But, yeah. like, that wasn't a thing to begin after. with. Yeah. It was just like, I really, really like their kit. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you support? Uh, I support the Chicago Bulls. Okay. Because um, of Michael. No, nah, Derek Rose. Okay, cool. Derek cool. Rose. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But... Loki, like his knee packed up. Yeah. 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 So, but at the moment, I'm really I support a lot of players, but I'm a I'm a Nuggets fan, mm-hmm. like re- as well. Like I like Jokic. I'm just and so that's a thing which I think we can do because so like if a man said to me, "Oh yeah, I'm an Arsenal fan, but yeah, I support Liverpool," I'll say, "Cool, you don't know what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about." But because we're in the UK and not in America, yeah. there's that distance where it's like, I literally, I'm just going to like who I like. Yeah. And no one can tell me nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, basketball is a bit different because there's so few players on the pitch. Yeah. You yeah. can actually be player-centred. Like, mm-hmm. you can yeah. be more player-centred. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Celtics too, to be mm-hmm. fair. Like, mm-hmm. I like I like the Celtics. Um, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I've got a question for you, though. Go for it. Um, And it's a broad question, so answer it however you like. How do you link football and... Not how do you link, but, like... What in your life is the relationship between football and your art? Oh. Um... I think, for me... Football is I think football is something that stirs emotion in mm-hmm. me. And so I think football is something where I see relationship. I see what it does in mm-hmm. terms of like being able to see relationship. I think um when I look at it that way, I think there's a lot of emotions that I feel and I understand them because of football. Mm. I know what anger is mm. because of football. I like, like I, 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 I know when I'm angry. Like, I know that because... And there's different types of anger. Mm. And, like, I think there's a lot of art- articulation that comes with my emotions mm. because of football, um, because I've been with it so long. Mm. Um, and I think it's something that so quickly and so easily brings different emotions, different feelings to the fore. And so I I don't think my relationship with art and football is too direct, except Mm -hmm. since I've started doing the newsletter where I'm now, I'm able to think about feelings and things like that. And then I'm using stories to articulate Mm -hmm. it. And so I tend to draw from sports and I will do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I, I, I don't find myself writing about, football or Mm. those kinds of things but i think football helps me to articulate um or helps me to understand feelings Mm. i think football is something that i've out of it's a prism with which i've viewed the world and my feelings Mm -hmm. um 
and I think when I think about even just like understanding geography and mm. stuff, there's so much that happens because of the context mm. of football. Um, I saw a tweet which was like name ten French cities, and no, I'm naming I'm naming football team. bro. <laughs> one of them was Nantes, La Havre. Nantes La Havre. La Havre, bro. <laughs> Why do I know La Havre? Because Paul Pogba, Le <laughs> yeah, used to yeah, play there, exactly. and it, it's it's that like it's it's that like that is it's a frame like it's a frame and it's a prism. But what's funny is like if you tell someone who's a fan of English football to name cities and then they say yeah Arsenal in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's when they don't they don't know which yeah. which cities I said, yeah Saint Saint Germain <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Saint Germain um yo uh uh final question Okay, so after after our conversation, um, where we've we've talked about football, we've talked about myth. Um, so how how would you redefine myth? Do you think it needs a redefinition? I'm gonna read the one that I read yeah, at the beginning. Uh, myth noun, a traditional story, especially one concerning the early history of a people or explaining a natural or social phenomenon, and typically involving supernatural beings or events. I think um, a the if I'm to redefine it, um, the first word that I'm taking out is the word early, mm. because we could come up with a myth right now, mm. and that's not nothing early about either of us. Um, I think that for me, a myth. Beyond, like, so cool. If I'm to ever describe anything in my life, the way we use the word myth, like, yo, that's a myth, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, like, if I'm to describe something as a myth, it's something that's unlikely. Yeah. Not something that's untrue. Mm. So, you saying to me, bro, do you want to do this? podcast in Croydon I might say to you well that's a bit of a myth <laughs> like if I'm to be honest <laughs> like, and so I think when we talk about football and when we talk about the footballers who have given us all of the stories that we know and given us all of these great times when I talk about um, do you remember that goal where Walcott runs through the whole of AC Milan's team and then squares it for Adebayo. Mm -hmm. That's a myth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, like, if you ask me to do that, yeah. I'm going to say that's a myth, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope that answers your question. Yeah. yeah. No, it does. <laughs> it does. And I love that we are ending, we are ending this podcast with, with a fear walcott memory yeah. um because that was definitely the player which i was not expecting yeah. and because we lost that game <laughs> <laughs> two minutes later emmanuel Ebue concedes a penalty and we lose <laughs> oh my gosh I, you're drawing for names, yeah. Ebue, Adibayo, walcott and i'm like this era for arsenal has been Banter long area, bro, bro. The banter error. That's, it's been long, bro. 
that's long. Hey, Bo, thank you for coming through. Thank um, you for inviting me, bro. It's been it's been a pleasure and an honor. Um, yeah, and yeah, that's that's this this episode of Sugar Shots. Sugar Shots.